This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Strike King Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X-Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we're going to talk about bass fishing. And anything else we want to talk about, because our guest today is none other than the one and only founder of BTL Bass Zone and all things, Mark Jeffries from his new studio at Southern Nazarene University. What's going on, Mark? I got stacks of paper right here. Really? Yeah. What's on the stacks of paper? Uh, Tournament entries, uh, compliance. Like NCAA uh, compliance stuff? Not, no, USBC compliance. Lane patterns. What's a lane pattern? Oh, how they, what different pattern they put the oil? How, what do you mean? So this is for like your college. Okay, just put put the papers down right now. We'll oh. get to the lane patterns later. It, it okay? We've mentioned it. We talked about it before, but explain to everybody what your job is now. Your full time job. Full-time gig is uh, men's and women's head bowling coach at Southern Nazarene University, which is an NCAA Division II school just outside Oklahoma City. But uh, even though at some universities, bowling is an NCAA sport for the women, uh, we are not a NCAA women's sport here. We are governed, both the men's and women's teams, by the United States Bowling Congress. So uh, we, you know, we can build this program if we want to and take it to the NCAA level. But at this time, we're pretty satisfied just to uh, stay a USBC schedule. The compliance in the NCAA is ridiculous, Matt. I thought it was, I thought it was a free for all now. Oh, it is in the USBC. It's the Wild West. You no, I thought it was with the uh, NCAA, with the uh, oh, no. with the uh, name, no. image, and the NIL deals. I thought no. it was just no flowing. No, no. So uh, it could be a couple. But yours is like you can like you could like lure bowlers in with like free Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> you, have no, you have no no compliance issues, huh? No, or very it, few. No, we just, uh, downstairs from my office, we just built a Chick-fil-A on campus. Really? Yeah. So some, of you, some of your stuff in the background looks very familiar to the studio, just like some of my stuff looks familiar to the old studio. Yeah, but, but I don't know if you can see it. The hat. Wait a second. Oh, yeah. We have the same fern. Look at the fern behind your shoulder. Yeah, look yeah. at that fern. And then look at, look at my fern. Here, hold on. Yeah, but that came from the original studio, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we got the same fern. That yeah. was a total. I did not did not know that was you. in the original. No, I did not copy you. That was in the original, man. That this is a Hobby Lobby find. It it, it was from Hobby Lobby. Did but you no, know I want to show you? 
look look at this. This might be the Sean Grigsby, Gerald Swindle, and Dean Rojas autograph quantum hats. KVD. Uh, you can't see that. That's too. Oh, you can't see the KVD. KVD. No. Okay. KVD. Oh, you put all the quantum hats there. There's six of them. And that might be. The other two uh, are Terry Scroggins and Gary Klein, right? Klein is one of them. It's Klein, uh, Gerald, Rojas, KVD, Tommy Biffle. Oh, that's right. Tommy Biffle and uh, Shaw Grigsby. Boy, I'd be interested to see when the uh, BPT roster comes out. I think there might be a couple changes. Boy, yeah. wait a second. Go back to those hats. Yeah. KVD retired. Yeah. Shaw Grigsby. Is he re retired? We'll call him semi-retired. Sort of, I guess. Uh, Who else? Uh, Swindle. Okay. There's two of those guys who retired. Yeah, Rojas. Rojas. Yeah. And, and Tommy Biffle. Okay. And, and then you got some bowling stuff up there as well. Gary Klein. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that that is a bowling ball that I shot 300 with, but it is completely cracked out. It is a mess. Well, some would say I'm completely cracked out. Yeah. And then I've got the uh Curtis Joseph goalie stick. Cujo. Yeah. And uh, then uh, oh, I didn't yeah, you saw those. The uh Sugar Ray Leonard. Boxing gloves. You remember yeah. those? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's all stuff that's been in the studio before. So yeah. full-time, full-time bowling coach at SNU. Yes. And uh, I think, I think it would be only right just in case the point hasn't been hammered home enough to watch the, the latest and greatest Mark Jeffries promo video that is coming out of the <laughs> SNU PR department. Is that okay? I. Uh, uh yeah, it's not coming out from the PR department. I think I'm a, I'm the only coach on campus that puts together videos. There might be a reason why, Mark. Yeah. All right, here it is. This is a this is the latest. This if this doesn't get you fired up to drive to <laughs> what what is it North Oaks KC or where's no, it? It's Bethany. Bethany, Bethany, Oklahoma. Yeah. For a home match. Yeah. Do you have home matches? No, they're all road games. But like, should a group of BTL want to want to blitz the place with signs? <laughs> that would be kind of cool. It, it, these events are kind of crazy, anyway. Okay, now, we are going to talk I'll, a lot I'll of go fishing. Over the schedule later. Okay, we are going to talk a lot of fishing. There is a bunch of stuff yeah. I want to get into. You know what? Uh, when the when the Alabama rig came out, we beat that horse till it was so dead that you refused to even say the word Alabama rig. Remember, yeah. it was called like the rig that shall not be named. And then it was the a rigatoni and all that. We're in uh we're in a era right now of talking about things that it just won't go away, and it's forward facing sonar and yeah. its application in profession. I mean, like I I go into some interviews, and I know you probably don't watch the show much anymore with your full time coaching gig going on. Yeah. You know, uh, but you know, I, I did a whole deal with, uh, Zaldane on it. And then Gerald Swindle just came out with something on social media. Uh, I actually have talked to people from both organizations behind the scenes, not nothing formal, just saying, Oh, what do you think about? And what about this? And what about, and, uh, I'd like to get your take on that. And then also, uh, I mean, even when you retired just two years ago, there was a lot of weight and experience. Experience played a big role in success. And since about two, 
2020. I don't know if we can say that. So we'll get into that. But first, the SNU. Is there anything you want to set up on this promo? This is just the latest and greatest on the SNU bowling. This is the video that I use when I go to showcase events and play on my uh, computer screen. Nobody else has one. Imagine that. But. All right, here we go. All right. Without further ado, the BTO world premiere of 2023 <laughs> SNU bowling. The Crimson Storm is building. Here we go. So is that typical Jeffries? Uh, that can't get any more, Jeffrey. Sorry if that was a little loud for people. Uh, if you're watching it on YouTube, yeah, I can't adjust that volume on iTunes. It'll it'll be a seamless volume transition. But uh, okay. the uh, apparently we lost one of Mark's eardrums. Uh, okay, uh, so what is this deal then? The the hockey pucks have become very very popular. I don't I don't understand that. So when you go to these events. They, everybody has the same stuff, okay? They all have the, the pins and the bowling balls with the logo on there, and they hand out stickers and, and lifesavers or whatever. So I was like, man, I'm not doing that. So uh, I put the hockey pie, I put Connor McDavid in there. He scores a goal. And I have typically about 20, 25 hockey pucks when I go to these places. Uh, I also have... Uh, about four hundred thousand dollars in movie prop money. That's fake money. It's fake money, but it looks real. Okay, so I stack up the money and then I put the hockey pucks right by there, and uh, everybody, their attention gets captured with the money. Then they ask about the hockey pucks and they watch the video. And then what I do is I take a gold sharpie. Uh, and I write on the hockey puck, goals are achieved at SNU. <laughs> Is this something I, like I, a Bobby Knight deal from a book or something? No, no. I came up with this on my own. So 
the last event that I was at was this past weekend. And I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and I didn't have a single hockey puck left. The word got out. And it was probably my best recruiting showcase event that I've had for the four that I've been to so far. But, yeah, all the all the other coaches kind of walk by my my area, and they just kind of look at me and shake Are you the Deion Sanders of college bowling coaches? <laughs> no, Be not, honest. No, I'm not flashy. I, I just, you've got you've got hockey pucks and stacks of cash and a promo <laughs> video. You're the you're the coach prime of the bowling world. I let's just say I I don't have too many friends right now, Matt. Oh really, Pete? You're ruffling some feathers in the in the world. Of, yeah. So I mean, you you had a tendency to do that in the bass fishing world. I did. Uh, it's amazing now. I mean, I, I I like to think I get along with everybody, except one guy. Not a big fan of one guy, but that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. But uh, I get along with everybody, right? Yeah. Oh, I get but, along with with everybody that I come in contact with. It's just, but you're you're ruffling some feathers as to how things are done. Is it because you have a, a larger recruiting budget? Because you're taking players that that other schools want? Is it because you have of stacks of fake money at your? Yeah, they, it, I'm just doing stuff very unique. In fact, we've kind of coined this. The players came up with SN Unique. Oh, that rolls off the tongue. SN Unique. So uh, I just think some of the coaches, you know, everybody does it the same. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you got this big six foot four dude that comes rolling in with fake money and hockey pucks. What the heck is he doing? Well, if you look at my recruit board, Compared to their recruit board, I think mine might be a little longer as far as list. So we'll see. You know, it, it's it's a totally, totally different game. They want to see – yeah, show me the fake money. There it is. Kind of looks – anyway. So it was good. Nashville was really, really good. Dude, and I saw something that I've never seen before. I saw a mom walk down into the bowling area – and actually get into a confrontation with her son. Over how he poorly During he was a match. Bowling. I don't was know he, what was going on. It was was he yelling at her or what was up? That'd be like that'd be like a mom going down to the dock and jumping on the boat right before takeoff at a at a college event, right? It was crazy. It, on yeah. your team? Or another no, team? No, no. It, it these are all high school kids, man. Oh, recruiting trip. Yeah. Yeah. You but were in fun. Pro Shop Operator magazine? Yeah, they did it last year. Yeah. And then I was on the Storm Collegiate podcast because normally this doesn't happen, Matt. We talked about that. Normally, to become a college coach, you either have to be a high school coach or really be uh, entrenched in the bowling coaching world. And I tell people all the time when I recruit that, hey, look, if you're looking for a bowling coach, go somewhere else. All right. But if you're looking for a coach, that knows a lot about bowling, then this is the place for you. Uh, what are you this doing? represents Jeffrey's second or third career, depending on where you rank a rather notable side gig that was a media startup named Z3 that was the first to live stream professional fishing and became the primary. Wow. Yeah, they it. had they had a couple of, of – Misquotes in there. Yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, that's fantastic. 
Yeah. I didn't realize this. This was back in October, but there you go. You can read that. I'm sure many of you are uh, are subscribed to <laughs> Pro Shop Operator. Yeah. Titled Secrets of the New Head Coach at SNU. Yeah. So it's cool. New programs don't get interviews like that. So the word's definitely out. You know, I, I if you saw my list of recruits for 2025 and uh, 2024, uh vastly spread across the United States, more Seattle, Washington kids. I even have a New York kid. Where's the hotbed? Is it still like kind of Ohio-ish? That oh, kind of yeah. Midwest upper, region? Yeah. Ohio, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin. That bowling is bowling mecca. That's where the vast majority of the best, best players are. It's hard to, I, I wouldn't imagine there's many like beach cities that have a thriving bowling uh, Southern California used to be big time. I mean, that's where I grew up. That's where I came from. Uh, and it, it's still very impactful. It's just, uh, it's not like it once was. My next recruiting trip, though, is pretty unique. Pardon the pun. Uh, but I'm going to Las Vegas for something that no other really? coach has ever done. Yeah. Oh, you have live? Are you doing live? Oh, that's not, for you. Yeah, not doing live. But, oh, you can uh, watch... Oh, here's the schedule right here. Yeah. Oh, this is where you guys will be. So I can show this. And if you yeah. want to come out and support Mark Jeffries during the year, you'll be at all these events, I would imagine. Yes, 100%. Okay. Hold yeah. on. There we go. So we have, uh, we have Fort, oh, Fort Worth, Texas in October. Oh, I won't be there. Yeah. I'll be in Florida. Fort Worth, Texas, Wichita, Kansas, Fort Worth, Texas, Topeka. Yeah. Fairview Heights, Illinois, Dallas, Fort Worth, Plano, Kansas City, and San Antonio. And the season runs from October through February. And then the intercollegiate team sectionals start in March. So if you're in that neck of the woods, it is just SNU, SN, Southern Nazarene, SNU. Because I always looked up SMU and I'm like, holy cow, this is big time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> SNUbowling.com. 2023 schedule yeah and you'd love to have btl fans and listeners come out yeah that'd be cool that that would be really i know the kids would appreciate it too and i'm telling you matthew these college events are crazy the 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 chanting the trash talking the, at the match oh yeah it's, so it's uh, like a women's college softball game it's yes it it's very competitive and very loud and uh, I, these kids, like I said, we're we're five weeks away from our opening event, and uh, they will definitely have the deer in the headlights look. But I'm oh, trying got, to get ready for that. You got Brian Knighton on board, epic uh, epic yep. Gates owner and stuff. He's he is a Knighton he is industry. an SNU alum. Oh yeah, you told me that. Yeah, he's very uh, very big supporter of the industry, not only through the baits, but through night and industries and Epic baits. He does bass. He does MLF, all yeah. sorts of stuff. You need to check out Epic baits. If you guys have a chance, there's a lot of uh, pro inspired designs there. I know Dean's part of it. Scott Suggs. Yeah. Becker. Wall I mean, there's a bunch Canterbury. He, uh, he, he's from Oklahoma. He spent his, his college mm -hmm. life at SNU. So, uh, it was a no-brainer to try and get Brian involved, and Brian is a huge, huge supporter of what I'm trying to accomplish here. 
Phenomenal. All right, we're going to take our first break of the day. When we come back, we're going to talk about weather and bass fishing. It's Mark Jeffries' second, second appearance on BTL in 2023. We'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatandRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. All right, welcome back, BTL on a Wednesday, talking with Mark Jeffries. And uh, I think it was last week, we had Polish Pete and Trevor on from Omnia. Uh, and they always have different deals going on there. Not only do they have the Premium Pro with all of the uh, mapping and wind and bottom hardness and all that, but they also have deals every week right now over at Omnia. 30% off all rainwear, sandals, and sunglasses, which is an interesting combo. And then... Uh, and then if you do Saver Summer 20, you get 20% off site-wide, and that is through tomorrow at 11.59 p.m. So 20% off site-wide through tomorrow. Hell of a deal, Mark Jeffries. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been I, even- I just, when you called me to come on, I was like, oh, man, he must be desperate. No. He's, he's searching. No, for- we had uh, Zaldane on, and then, uh, you know, Mike Malone. Uh, he does all the scheduling for MLF now. Yep. Had Mike Malone on. I thought I'd I thought I'd really throw people for a loop by having Zaldane on one day and then Mike Malone from MLF on the next <laughs> day. Just keep them on the toes. You never know who's coming up next. And then uh, yeah. I wanted to get you, but it is an odd time of the year. Uh, you have a lot of guys who go on. I mean, it, this is kind of their vacation time. Uh, yeah. The stress of the season, a lot of back-to-backs. You have Angler of the Year races, requalification races, uh, classic races and then you get done and you either make it and celebrate or you don't make it and you forget about it and unwind with a and most of these guys take their significant others wives girlfriends fiancés families on trips because it's a 
it's kind of a lonely road to hoe when you're out there all year, you know, away from your family and stuff. Yeah. So this is kind of how they make up for it and going into the off season where then they'll disappear into the woods for the next Okay, year. I have some homework for you to do because okay. I'm way too busy. I want you to tell me on the Elite Series uh, how many guys made close to uh, $100,000 without winning a tournament. Uh, none. Like two. Okay. Two or three. Is, is that because... Well, it's really hard to. It's really... Yeah, exactly. I don't I mean, think Welcher did. Did anybody come close to a hundred grand without winning? Uh, I don't know. Kyle only had two top tens the entire year, which meant six or seven of the events were ten thousand, which is seventy. And he won Angler of the Year, right? Yeah. And what what was his gross earnings? Well, I mean, he won a hundred grand for winning Angler of the Year. Yeah, so. forget about that. Uh, so. Hold on. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times ten, because he cashed a check at every single event, which would yeah. be ninety thousand. Then he made nineteen thousand at the Sabine River. So there's a hundred, a hundred and twenty thousand. Okay. He did 120,000. His finishes were 13th, 15th, 18th, 41st, 25th, 7th, 44th, 25th and 5th. Okay. You know, I I thought so about he did this. almost a quarter of a mil with the 100,000. That's a great year, man. That's a very solid year. Not as much as the guys are making over on the BPT though. But still at for, the top. For, yeah, for that's a very winning. strong year. Yeah, especially for not winning a tournament. Yeah, because uh, over on the Bass Pro Tour. Okay, let me let me test your intelligence, of which you should know this question. Who won? No, the it is it is roughly about the same thing that the guys are making because because there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now I don't know if uh, heavy hitters is in here or the team series yeah, stuff is in here, but there's seven, eight. So who won who who won Angler of the Year last year? Uh Brandon. Didn't he? <laughs> was it when did Oh uh Seth Fighter? No, that was multiple times ago. Oh. What's your point? Can't remember. Yeah, I can. Was it Brandon? Yeah. Sure the answers are flying up on the comments. It was Brandon. That's what I said. <laughs> and then before that, it was... Uh, Seth? Seth. And then it was Clark, if I am correct. And then before Clark, it was uh, Scott Canterbury, if I'm correct. Let's see. Yep. I got that right. And then before that, it was Lucas. All right. So let's, let's get right into it. It'd be interesting to see uh, from an Angler of the Year perspective how much influence that forward-facing sonar has had on that title over the past five years. Yeah, I think based on some assess interviews, it didn't have very much at all 
in his. Uh, I know in Polynix, let's be honest, it did not because when he won, Hummingbird did not have the technology available to have effective forward-facing sonar. Right. So, I mean, he won Angler of the Year in 2022. And I, I mean, I know he, they had Hummingbird live. So, I mean, he might have, it might have played to that extent, but I don't think it was, it was massive. So here, uh, here this is- year at a hundred percent was Welcher. Welcher's an interseason enigma. I think he's a, he's a combination guy, but he definitely used it in the last ones. So here's the thought is, is forward facing sonar going to win titles or is forward facing sonar going to increase your ability to get a check? What do you think? I think it's the same because everyone's using it now. Dude, I'm not kidding. If you'd asked me this uh, two months ago, I would say there's absolutely no way that this thing gets not banned. I don't think it'll ever get banned, but limited in some extent. Dude, I it I mean, especially over the past like month or two months, it's on the table. I mean, whether it's a viable option for it to get limited or banned or nothing, but I mean it's on the it's on the radar, I should say that, with the organizations. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, they're they're assessing. Do you think they're assessing how much impact that this equipment is having on their tournament series? I don't think they're assessing the impact that it's having. I don't think they care how they're getting caught. I think if it's impacting their viewership and the bottom dollar, that's where. So I would love to see. So like if everyone's bitching about it, but the viewership numbers are the same or higher than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's no incentive because you're getting paid by the electronics companies and your viewership is high. So all you're hearing is a loud minority. But that's an interesting point. But if these numbers come in and they're lower, like lower, lower mm-hmm. for both of them, and you have all the smoke and fire around how it's how the game is being played, then I think you have to assess what the electronics companies are bringing to the table and whether their funding of the and sponsorship of the leagues or organizations are making up for that viewer loss or you see, I mean, is that not a business way to look at it, Mark? In a way, but I would be curious to see what the fan feedback is. The fan Uh, feedback seems to be primarily limited. I mean, you've got the grumpy old, oh, ban it in my day, you know, (laughs) we should be dragging window weights behind the boat to figure out how deep it is. Yeah. That's not what I'm asking, though. What I'm asking is from a viewership standpoint, not from. Uh, that's uh, a Bass and MLF question. Well, that's. Which I can ask. Well, no, I can no, no, ask him. No, no, no. It's not an organization question. It is a fan question. And what I mean by that is do the fans enjoy watching the guys constantly look down at their. Draft? Okay, listen. It's easier to complain on social media than it is to praise. So if you just go on social media numbers, like I don't what Gerald Swin- that, dude. You can't. Okay. Then how do you, then you would have to literally pull every bass member, every person who watches it. 
Well, or does it watch it? Like, there, how do you determine what it is? How do you know that it's not just a few people who dislike it who are really loud and the vast majority who really are like, dude, it doesn't matter to my life whether I'm watching a guy who's staring at a beautiful sunrise when he sets the hook or staring at a 12-inch graph when he sets the hook? Hey, what have I said all along? The, the three people that really matter in this, the fans, the companies, and the players. The I agree Andy. with Chuck. They should have to swim down and catch the fish with their damn teeth. <laughs> Chuck, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. That's pretty funny. Now, hey, they have availability to uh, do market research because they have all the yeah, data. Yeah, they need to do market research. That's what I'm saying. But it, it just in generalizing what the fans are watching, uh, I think eventually the fans are going to get bored. Well, yesterday with Zaldane, I suggested the theory that maybe the – organizations need to alter their coverage of how they cover it with camera angles and what they show to where, yeah, static shot from the back of the boat worked for the last five years, but that was before everybody was doing forward facing sonar. So now if you can change the camera angles and show more on the screen, you can now show where the skill is because there is skill involved in it. I, I mean, 90, great. 90, the people who are saying my 10-year-old, I saw a comment yesterday that said my 12-year-old could do what Patrick Walters did. <laughs> my 12-year-old grandson. No, he couldn't. No, he couldn't. Your 12-year-old grandson could not do what Patrick Walters did. Just because he uses lies, just because I can turn my stove on and cook doesn't mean I'm Gordon Ramsay. Just because you can live soap doesn't mean you're the top of the game at it. But what the organizations have done is they've done a poor job I wouldn't say they've done a poor job. It's a new problem that they're trying to figure out how to navigate of showcasing the skill that is involved in forward facing sonar. Right. I told Zaldane, I said, it'd be like, it, 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 it's like, uh, it's like getting two points and they just show that you scored two points, but they don't show how. So whether it's a three sixty windmill dunk or a layup, like it's like, Oh, well I can lay it. It's there's, skill involved like you have to be like dude did you see did you see taco hit that fish at 110 feet out six feet down and keep the bait above it in a three-foot chop like that's the stuff that people don't understand where the skill and talent is but it, it's not on the anglers to showcase that it's on the organizations to figure out how to make that viable or make the technology illegal to use to some extent all right here's a question i, I would really like to know i would like to know Anywhere in the nation, is there a tournament trail? A musky tournament trail, musky. a uh individual trail, whatever that has banned forward facing sonar. I know the professional musky trail did, and that was it. That's it. Do you think that the fans would be more entertained and learn more if they did not allow, say they had one tournament a year? Where, hey, guys, you can't use forward-facing sonar. Would that generate some interest from a fan base? I mean, would it not just create a groundswell of, oh, we loved this, and then there'd be even more backlash? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't know either. I I, I think that there is a, a core group of fans out there. But once again, it goes back to the organizations doing their market research that I think uh, there is a large number of fans out there that would enjoy seeing that. Unfortunately, I don't think that's 
ever going to happen. And I don't think forward-facing sonar is ever going away. You know, there is a similar situation, in, and I hate to bring it up, but I am going to say the bowling thing. Uh, one of the iconic bowling balls manufactured by uh, one of the Brunswick brands, uh, the PBA and the, and the USBC has said, hey, you got to change the hardness of this bowling ball and any year prior to whatever it is, I don't know, 2021, you can't use that ball because it was winning too many tournaments. And unfortunately, a part of the game has gotten to the point where it does not matter the skill level that the bowling, the bowler has, it's the bowling ball that matters more. Okay, so now let me make that comparison to fishing. Is it not truly the ability to find, locate, and pattern fish have, has gotten to the point where now what's more important is that you fine-tune your forward-facing sonar skills that if you want, if you want to truly have a shot at winning or getting a check, you better get dialed in on forward-facing sonar. I mean, that's where it's at right now. Uh, do you think people are sick of talking about it and sick of seeing it? Yeah, it's just like when the Alabama rig came out. Now, the Alabama rig still sold even when it got banned from the major organizations. A couple of listeners have pointed out that that would be the greatest thing for it. Yeah. As if it did get banned. Because then, I mean, you'd be in tournaments and you'd have your Garmin up there and you'd just pop the screen out and you'd be good to go. All right. I, I have not seen the list. I haven't seen the Angler of the Year standings list or anything like that. But I would think that some of the guys that have been around a long time uh, are going to be fail to qualify for next year. Is that a true assessment? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of the the old guard that's still, in my opinion, uh, and I've talked to a couple of them about it. They're still doing the Bassmaster article seasonal pattern things, right? Mm -hmm. I was talking with a I was talking with an angler last week, uh, and we were talking about the upcoming. <clears throat> open schedule with the back-to-back -back on Watts Bar and Lake of the Ozarks. He said, oh, it's, it's a really tough time of the year. And I said, dude, there is no tough time of the year anymore. I said, there, there is no seasonal patterns. I said, it was the tough time of the year because those fish in September, October, in the majority of the country would get out, suspend, and the bass would follow them and chase them offshore, which would make them really hard to find and pattern because they were pelagic bait-chasing fish. I was like, now that's what is targeted like we could catch those fish now so this right. whole this whole fall patterns thing is bs right now because the fish that couldn't get caught which is what made it tough now it's the easiest time of the year to freaking catch them i mean i went out on rayburn rayburn last october in an open mm -hmm. on rayburn having been there two or three times i go under the bridge there i see balls of bait i see things under it and i catch 30 a day jerk baiting the middle i cannot express to you how much i am saying the middle of the lake on nothing and i cash a check and there's yeah. 50 guys out there who are doing what you should do that fall that have done it on rayburn for 20 years and have thousands of hours and i'm out there throwing a jerk bait in the middle of the lake catching 40 keepers a day is that entertaining I don't care if it's entertaining, but I don't, I mean, was that skill for me or was that, I mean, should I have been able to do that? I don't know. 
I was the only, there were like two other guys and well, Sokup was one of them that was out there doing that out of the entire field in that part of the lake. Yeah. I know Austin was down Lake doing it. Other guys were down Lake doing it, but I so, mean, you see what I'm look, saying there? Like yeah, it takes look, out some of the experience and stuff that should have carried guys to checks. So let me ask you this. Do you think some of the guys are just saying they're being stubborn? They're like, I'm not going to take the time at this point in my career to get better at forward facing sonar. I'm going to continue to put a square peg in a round hole. hundred percent. Okay. I also think that there's a group that think that the more anglers go offshore and target it, the less guys are on the bank. Hackney's talked about this. A couple of the other guys have talked about this, uh, that their water opens up more. Because it's not getting pounded. Yeah, because it's not getting pounded. Uh, I mean, Hackney had a good year. He finished in 20th. But, I mean, I'm looking at this list here. Like, Cobb wasn't a wasn't a massive scoper. You know, Michael Neal, before last year, he, he had only used forward-facing sonar in 30% of his FLW Invitational tournaments. Hmm. Interesting. So what was the uh, cut line for the Classic? Sorry if I'm interrupting you. Steve says I'm interrupting you too much. Oh. <laughs> Brian wanted to know your thoughts, and Steve's like, Matt won't shut the hell up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize if I was interrupting you too much, Mark. No, it's all good. What what ended up being the cut line for the Classic? Uh, as know? far as I could tell right now, it's 42. Because Patrick Walters double qualified because they didn't have a TTBC this year, I guess. Yeah. Or a Toyota Texas Fest, I don't think. Yeah. But they made the last event win and you're in. And I would assume that's for two reasons. A, to give the, what did you call it? The carrot? Yeah. Dangle the carrot yeah. for guys that were like, I don't want to go up and do back-to-back on Champlain and yeah. Thousand Islands. Well, now they now they got the in. carrot. Yeah, win and you're in. So, so Gussie dropped to 52nd, so he did not get... uh an automatic, a double qualifying, but then with, uh, the win in your end. Yeah. Interesting. Did, uh, so 42, so that we're not having the standings pulled up, but I, yeah, he did. I zero just, you know, it's just stuff this. that I'm thinking about on top of my head. Did I can make it? Um, no, he did not make the classic cut. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting end to Ike's year. So he was top 10. He was a, I mean, he started the year with like 41st, 10th, 11th, 34th, and 48th. He's in the top 10 in the angler of the year. Uh, and then his last three, which are smallmouth, which I would like to know what Ike's. So you're telling expert, me the last three events were smallmouth events and Ike and Ellie did not make the class. 73rd, 86th, and 79th. Wow. That's what I said. I, I, texted someone i said man if i had a puppy i would keep it away from mike icadelli because he would punt that thing right now i promise you wow well hopefully he will be in a much better mood come september i think we've covered this right matt ask mark what he thinks on the comments that forward-facing sonar is the new alabama rig and will be banned in the future you don't think it'll be banned in the future uh, i don't and and the only reason that it- it's different than the A-Rig because you're not uh, putting millions of dollars in play 
based upon the sales of the A-Rig, uh, the sponsorship money and the connection between the manufacturers and the organizations is going to be a stumbling block to, to ever think about having that band. Quite honestly, if it was me, I would step out and I would go get another company to supplement that advertising revenue and say, look, guys, we're done. All right, forward-facing sonar banned because now I've created a new revenue stream and uh, I think it would create a major buzz in the industry for the first organization to say, you know what? We went out, we busted our tails, we got a new sponsor. Uh, we don't have to worry about the revenue stream. But how do you justify that? How do you justify that? The whole thing is helping you catch more fish. I understand the the motor because that's a safety issue. I understand some of that stuff for safety issue. The Alabama rig was very controversial. Uh, well, and forward-facing sonar is not? That's why everybody's talking about it, Matt. It's very controversial. The reason is is because... It goes away from what this sport was founded on. You go out, you work hard, you pattern fish, you put together a plan, and then you go out and you execute. All right? It, can, this you is can do it. that. You go out, you, you, can't search, do that? you hunt, you find, you wait, and then you look down. I mean, that's what the game is turning into, and I don't think it's entertaining. I don't think the fans are enjoying – continuing to watch guys look down at their screen. And uh, I think the vast majority of people, think about this, Matt, and I don't know who has said this before, but for people that are wanting to get into this game, is the first thing they have to do, go out and buy forward-facing sonar if they want to catch fish? No, but for people who are wanting to get in the game, I mean, I would love to see the stats on someone who goes bass fishing two three times and then puts it down and never picks it back up how much more likely are those people to stay in it if the first couple times they go out they can watch a fish go down and eat their stuff and they're actually catching fish and they're hooked on it and they're going oh my gosh i watched a bite it Dude, now they're freaking fans now they're anglers for life you and i both know the likelihood of that happening to somebody that that let's say they drop 10 grand on forward-facing sonar. They don't know how to use it. You have said on this show, I know when I was still around, that it takes months, if not years, to master that technique. So then it is life. a skill. It, it, it is a skill. But what I'm saying is that's not going to get people to enjoy and become a part of this game more. Uh, honestly, if, if, if I had... If I had the ability to make a decision or make a ruling on this, I mean, I'm kind of outside here anyway. I, I, as an organization, I would meet with my sales staff and I would say, look, all right, look, we want to ban forward-facing sonar. It doesn't matter what company. So I need you guys and girls to go out and market our brand to bring in additional revenue to cover the fallout that might take place from us banning forward-facing sonar. Now, if I'm the electronics companies, am I going to go, oh, you're banning forward-facing sonar. We don't want to be a part. I'm not going to do that. 
If I'm smart, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, I understand it. Now you have to create a product and a marketing campaign that's going to capture those people that the vast majority probably agree with the ban on this. Okay. It, it, it's, it is a very complicated, simple situation. You either ban it or you don't. If you ban it, you got to make up the revenue just in case those companies don't want any part of the ban. You know, I, I honestly, the marketing research, I would love. How would you do that? To do that. Like and, explain and, how to do that. Like what, what does it involve? Okay. If I'm okay, I'm Bassmaster. I want yeah. to do market research on the product that I'm putting out on FS1 and on you the live have, show. You have information on every single member in Bass. Right. You could do an email campaign. Yeah, it may end up in spam. Yeah, it might end up in uh, you know, your junk folder or whatever. But the feedback that you get, put it on the very front page of your Bassmaster website. We want your opinion. Give us feedback as fans of the game. Should forward-facing sonar be banned? And don't do it in a, in a social media platform because you never know. At least this way you would have trackable data and feedback from, from your actual membership. So uh, what not, percent is enough? I'm not really enough? sure how. Sixty uh, percent comes back. What if sixty percent comes back and says, "Yeah, it should be banned," but then you've got forty percent that say no. Like, what's the number where you're like, "All right, this is the tipping point. It it needs to be regulated." I don't think you can say, "All right, if they're over seventy percent, we're going to ban it," because I don't think, obviously, uh, that it's just the fans that are being affected by this. Uh, I think you need to get feedback from. Uh, the anglers themselves, and I think you need to get feedback from the companies, quite honestly, because you still want to work with them. You don't want to go, oh, hey, listen, we're going to ban forward-facing sonar. We don't want you to be involved now. No, you put together a game plan that makes it better for all three parties that I've always said that you have to take care of, the fans, the sponsors, and the anglers. All right, There shouldn't be a decision made without taking into consideration those three things. And if you want to throw a fourth one in there, it's the organization itself. You have to make the decision that is really the best thing for all four pieces. But I think the most important thing is the fans and the anglers. The fans drive the consumer behavior on what's taking place on any of these tournament trails. Okay. So what happens then when let's, let's say hypothetically, let's do a hypothetical scenario here, Mark. Uh, both organizations say we're done. No forward-facing sonar whatsoever mm -hmm. in twenty. Let's say twenty twenty-four. Not going to happen, but let's say in twenty twenty-four. Right. Now you got a bunch of guys on tour who just qualified who use forward-facing sonar who are in their twenties. Who that is their game. That would be like telling Steph Curry, "There's no more three-pointer in basketball." <laughs> well. If, I mean, if, what do you do with them? You just let them suck for a couple years and and fall out, or adapt. It's an adapt. You're basically like adapt or die. You got right. here on forward facing sonar, but now you got to stay here without it because you got a bunch of people who got here without it that are now trying to figure out how to stay here with it. Dude, it's not the organization's responsibility for you to take care of your career and and get your game dialed in. Uh, it's called adversity. It's called adapting. 
It's called doing what you have to do to be successful. Hence, that's why a lot of guys right now are suffering because they haven't adapted to way the way the game is being played now, and they're suffering. It's their choice. And look, if you step up and this is what you want to do in life and you call yourself a professional angler, which I think still is one of the most overused terms in this game, but if you truly are a professional angler and you earn your living catching fish, then by gosh, you better do whatever is necessary to improve your career and adapt to the rules and the situations that are turning into what you need to do to be successful. All right. So one of the, one of the, <laughs> well, one of the. I didn't primary... mean to throw you off your game, man. No, I'm trying to think of how I said, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I show like red fit, uh, reds fishes says he loves watching forward facing sonar events. Coverage of it will only improve. Yeah. Um, one of the popular things is inches. Number of inches is screen. And every said, let's do 60 inches of screen. Then you could have four 12 inch units. Well, you're still at the exact same thing that you're at now, right? Like yeah. that, I don't think, so here's my suggestion. Here's my suggestion. 16 inches of screen. Now, this is a hypothetical. Now, here's what you could do. You could either have a, a little bitty tiny graph up front and a little bitty tiny graph in the back, but only one unit, or you can have one big graph up front, but you got no mapping in the back, or you can have <laughs> mapping and Navionics and all that, but no forward facing sonar or depth or anything up front. You really want to make guys make decisions, give them 12. This sounds horrible, but give them 12 or 16 inches to work with. <laughs> oh my goodness. Pain. You see what I'm saying? Now you're making to yeah. make a decision. Because I we did a call with Dave Mercer, and I still think that uh, Navionics and GPS precision mapping is the biggest advancement in fishing over the past 30 years. Okay. Because you don't know where to live scope. You don't know where to find the fish. Imagine if you had no idea where to go or how to get there to look and find the fish. Like, you could be the best race car driver in the world, but if you can't get to the track, what's the point? Yeah. Well, what you need to do is you need to archive this show. And four years from now, when my freshman class are seniors, we need to see what the status is of forward facing sonar and what position it has, not only in the tournament uh, foundation, but from a from a fan perspective and from a consumer perspective. What in four years from now is forward facing sonar going to be forty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars? Because the technology is going to continue to get better. And here's what's weird, all right? And and some people out there may not think about this, but I remember when VCRs first came out. I'm really dating myself here. Hey, dude, they were like 2500 bucks. VCRs? People had them, all right? And then eventually, as the technology progressed, they got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to where, what, you can get a VCR now, even though it's not really applicable. Mm -hmm. You can get a VCR for... 50 bucks. All right. Are we going to see that trend uh, it, it, with, with forward facing sonar technology? Doesn't look that way because the price just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. So I, it, yeah, I, I see the statement from Brian. A there. Well, this is a two part statement. 
What are your thoughts on this part? The total answer said, to the screen idea is dumb. It's either 100% or nothing. I kind of agree with that. Then his second part is that's like limiting the number of rods, baits, and tackle on a boat. Mark, tell Brian what they used to do in the Bassmaster Classic. You were limited on the <laughs> amount of tackle and the number of rods. And I don't even and, remember what it was. I think some years it was eight, might have increased to 10, uh, but your your tackle amount was limited too. And once again, that is more of a purist thing. And I think a lot of the purists out there are upset with forward-facing sonar. And it's been, rev- you know, uh, it's been a, a revolution of how the game has changed. And as we're plenty aware of, Matt, some people just don't like change. But uh, it is going to see how the it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing evolves uh, over the next four years because uh, decisions have to be made and making no decision is still a decision on the organization's part. But uh, I, I'm really curious, me being the, the the bean counter is is the price going to continue to increase? And will it get to the point now where you've got a $100,000 bass boat, uh, you know, with the motor and you got $50,000 worth of electronics on there? And let me break it down like this. Think about this, Matt. Obviously, you've been entrenched in the game for a zillion years. But for the weekend person, for the weekend person that spends their disposable income on a new bass boat and goes fishing, if they fish 20 times a year, 20 weekends a year, that's a lot. Agree or disagree? It's a ton. That is a ton. So the vast majority of the people that have that bass boat and tournament fish and spend that money, realistically, they're probably going out maybe 10, maybe 15 weekends a year. Are people going to make the decision that that is what they want to do with their disposable income? When are we going to reach that point of the sign curve where the price point is going to get to a spot where finally people are saying, you know what? I'm not paying $150,000 for a bass boat. I'm not paying 15 grand for electronics. When is that going to happen? It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when is that going to happen? And and I can't see uh, the vast majority of people being able to continue the trend that's taking place. From a debt management standpoint, that's how people, the vast majority of people are surviving right now. They are stretching out the payments. They are extending uh, the, the time period. But now you've got this major thing going on with interest rates. Uh, I am really, really curious to see how the uh, the revenue aspect of this whole forward-facing sonar is going to end up. Because with interest rates going up and the fact that disposable income is going down, uh, it's going to be a big challenge. And look, this is the first major advancement in the sport that really is plays out on social media. Do you like know? I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, Go no, ahead. no, it's all good. What, uh, do I know do, what? I, there's a lot that I know. Do you know, or do you have any idea what the first? I'm just going to call it a tracking trolling motor was. What the hell is a tracking trolling? Like motor? Uh, you know how the the trolling motors of today, you put on spot lock, boom. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, or it will actually. 
follow uh, a certain direction. They've had the tracking stuff for off and on for a ton of years that they haven't been able to refine, but the Ultrex was the first spot lock. Right. But the original company uh, was called Pinpoint. And I don't know if you remember that or not. And you know who was actually involved with Pinpoint just for a little while? Alan McGucket. Really? Yeah. And the technology that came out, this was in the 80s, dude. And the trackability or the ability to program trolling motors to go and follow contour lines and specific routes, uh, it was uh, it was amazing. But the technology and the cost really didn't it, it didn't spur consumer interest. Uh, plus, there were some challenges that they had with the technology. They just didn't have it dialed in. So we have been down this point. Uh, pardon the pun, before uh, with technology. But now I think technology has just gotten to the point where they're doing an incredible job with the development uh, in the in in the technology that, that's put at the forefront now. Spotlock, I think that's been a game changer. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. But it's been a game changer in convenience <laughs> and staying on a spot. <laughs> like no one ever... I don't know. There, there. I don't remember any controversy over side imaging and down imaging. I don't remember any controversy over spot lock. And I mean, I was around. I started before, you know, before this stuff was a thing. Yeah. I don't remember any controversy over it. But also, like, Instagram didn't launch till 2011. And Facebook back then was colleges only. So this is the first major advancement where everyone has an opinion that you can hear. Yeah. And then you've also got, so this is, I'm going to say, we'll say, I want to get your take on this. Then we'll take a break and come back. Cause we have to get okay. into KVD's retirement and the hall of yeah. fame banquet and all sorts of stuff. I don't know how okay. much time you got. I'm good, man. Uh, this is what, uh, really grinds my gears <laughs> are the people like Randy Blockett gets on his channel and talks about, how it's ruining fisheries and it's decimating fisheries and state agencies need to make it illegal. And it's spotlighting deer. Show me the freaking proof. Show me the studies. Show me the data. You can't just say it to your thousands of listeners. And then they get it in their heads that it's doing all this. You have no proof of that. Show me the hard data where it's showing me, that the fisheries are 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 being decimated. That it's bad to target pelagic offshore roamers in the fishery. It's a that is a that's just straight BS in my opinion. That's the only thing that really ticks me off about this whole thing. And then it comes on our deal, and they regurgitate it on everything. There's zero freaking data on that, Mark. There's no proof that it's doing anything to damage the fisheries. And every third freaking video he does is about it. And it drives me absolutely nuts. Show me some freaking data. I, I agree with you 100%, man. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the way that we did things years, years ago. And, and uh, I, I've always been a believer. It, it, journalism has changed. And, and, and media, obviously, has changed. But with the exposure that individuals have and the presence and influence that people have, uh, I am still a firm believer that if you're going to go off on a tangent or you're going to uh, stand by something. That, Statistical that you, element, some support, some you, you, studies, you cannot, something. 
it, it, it's pure speculation, all right, because there is no proof. There, there, you have to have, all right, data. You have to have facts. You have to have uh, the factual story to be able to truly base an opinion on it. So I, I just want stats. I, I, I wanted I, to throw my phone probably ten times over the last two years, and eight of those times are because of Randy blocking. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's speculation. And, until and listen, I'm not taking away of anything that he's done with his career and what he's done. He puts these videos out and invites feedback like this. Like that's what he thrives off of. That's how he makes his living. Yeah, it is as part. But you can't say stuff if there's no facts to it because it's it's ironic. I'm in the industry. I listen to this stuff, and you're verbatim seeing all this stuff appear days after Randy says it, and you go back and you're like, hmm, that's a little oddly familiar. It's propaganda is all it is. Clickbait propaganda. Like, if those are the stats, then preach it from the freaking mountaintops every single day, two videos a day. Hell, I'll replay it on BTL. But until there's any proof or stats about it, you can't say crap that you just believe. It's don't. Ah, we gotta take a break. We'll get into some other stuff unrelated to this <laughs> when we get. But you have any? Do you have a piece that you say you want to say to close things out on this chapter of our lives, Mark? No, I mean obviously I'm not close to the game anymore, but I, I'm still interested to see how the whole forward-facing sonar uh, situation develops over the next few years and. Uh, I, I, I believe that the first organization that actually handles this uh, and, and, you know, makes a decision on what they're going to do, because obviously the public, the fans, the anglers want to know what the heck's going on. And uh, silence is very loud. And the silence that's taking place right now, the, the loudness is actually noise. And the noise is coming from the fans and the anglers. So let's see if the noise gets reduced. Let's see if there's an organization out there that's going to take a stand on this. And uh, I don't think they can do anything until they do the market research. A person or thing that is popular or fashionable among a particular group or section of, or of society, a system, uh, a de devotion directed towards a particular figure or object, a relatively small group of people that have beliefs and practices that are regarded by others as strange or sinister as imposing excessive control over its members. Those are the three definitions of a cult. <laughs> All right. BTL. Banger. Oh, on a Wednesday with Mark Jeffries. We'll be back. Wow. Right the great thing about the new sensation soft plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm, and the ram tail craw, great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat. So you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back. 
really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got sparkle shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Hi, welcome back. BTL on a Wednesday talking with Mark Jeffries. Dude, dude, uh, Michael Neal did a great job on that commercial, but they had the wrong guy doing that. They Who should have done that? Huh? Biffle. Yeah. Biffle with the knives. The EDC, which stands for everyday carry. They're great knives. I actually have one. Like, it's worth, like, getting them. They're, like, very reasonably priced. They're gamakatsus. I would have loved they're to badass see Biffle. Knives. Biffle doing that commercial, man. <laughs> I do feel like if you're going to carry them, though, you need to limit the length of the blade. You just you get yeah. too big of a blade. It's just way too easy to cut stuff. Yeah. Apple doesn't stand a chance. Like, back in the day, you really had to worry about cutting the apple up now with the edc blades it's just you look at the apple wrong after you pull the knife out it cuts itself there's no skill involved in cutting apples anymore on the water with the edc blades yeah it needs to be a you know maximum of a five inch blade very nice <clears throat> uh you're gonna be at the hall of fame this year mark i Is am that, i mean i don't i don't know what we can or can't get into you're not in the hall of fame but you'll no. be a part of it this this Whatever you could say about it, just go ahead and say. I don't well, want to get I, I, you in trouble. It's, it, it's not a secret or anything. And 
I think for the people that have watched this show over the years, they know that uh, Mike Iaconelli and I have been really, really good friends for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, we talk. Uh, it's not an every week. It's not an everyday thing or anything like that. But uh, the dynamic that takes place between the media and the and the players, mm-hmm. uh, it typically it goes, you know, it can go a couple of different ways. Either they tolerate each other or they hate each other. Hate's a strong word. They they have a strong dislike for the media. Or in a rare situation, they actually develop a strong friendship uh, between uh, a member of the media and the player. It doesn't matter what sport it is. And uh, I can remember in the early years that Mike was a tremendous help and influence and really grasped grasped what I was trying to accomplish in being uh, really the first independent beat writer and the way it was established when I went out there for the very first year of the Elite Series uh, and, and developed a, a really cool friendship with Mike. And it's extended for good grief, almost uh, almost 30 years. So uh, it was a couple months ago, I got a phone call from Mike and uh, we talked a little bit. And he said, hey, man, he said, the reason that I'm calling is, uh, as you hopefully know, uh, I was voted into the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, and I was like, "Yeah, what do you?" I've, I've, I still vote in that. I'm still part of that. I said, "I voted for you," and we just started laughing a little bit. He said, "Hey, uh, Becky asked me who was I going to have introduce me at the Hall of Fame, and he told me that there was only one person that I wanted to do that, and that was me." And he asked me, he said, Mark, would you be willing to introduce me during my Hall of Fame induction ceremony? And it it kind of floored me. I I was overwhelmed. I I think it's one of the coolest things that somebody in the industry has asked me to do, uh, mainly because Mike was there when I started out and the friendship, uh, the projects that Mike and I have worked on together, uh, just some of the memories that we have. Uh, it, it was a very, very special phone call. So on September 28th, when Mike Iaconelli is inducted into the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, I will do the introduction for him and introduce him to the crowd. And when you think about all the people that have been a part of Mike Iaconelli's life through his bass fishing career, uh, I am truly honored to be the one selected to introduce Mike. And uh you know, we were the we were the only ones to do a, a documentary specifically on his life, not necessarily his uh, his tournament aspect, but just his life aspect. And one of the coolest moments in in all the years that I that I worked in the industry was sitting on the steps of the Delaware River where Mike won that event, and it was kind of his hometown deal. And I actually got to see and hear what Mike Iaconelli truly is about. And and I'm not talking Ike. I'm talking Mike Iaconelli. And uh, to to have this honor and for Mike to ask me to do this, uh, I can't wait to introduce him. I I don't need to write a speech. Uh, I'm only going to go about two minutes. I know for some people. Oh, you're winging it? Huh? 
You're winging it? Oh, yeah. Uh, in all the windshield time that I've had, uh, I have went through my mind over and over and over what I'm going to say. And uh, there's no need to uh, have it written down on a piece of paper or index cards or anything like that because of the experience and the friendship that Mike and I have had over the years. There's no need for, for anything to be written down. That's it's all. It's all right here. And it's going to be a special night. I know I'm going to see some people that I haven't seen over the last two years. Uh, but I think that the impact that Mike has had in this game is unlike anybody else uh, over the last 30, 40 years. And, and some people might say, you know, the iconic television shows of Bill Dance and Roland Martin and Hank Parker. Uh, but when it falls back to what I coined many years ago, the three E's, the educate, entertain, and engage, uh, there are very, very few uh, anglers, professional anglers, that have taken that and run with it in a manner of how Mike has done it over the years. Uh, the other thing, too, he's accomplished some stuff that, that other people just have not done. You know, he won the Federation Nation. He won the Bassmaster Classic. He was Angler of the Year. And, uh, you know, the year he wore, he won Angler of the Year, I was the only guy around Mike when he dove into the water to try and catch his line when a fish broke off. Only one picture exists of that moment. And I have that picture, and it's actually in my studio at home. Uh, but so many memories, so many uh, life memories, not just fishing memories, in my friendship with, with Mike and, and with Becky over the years, uh, could not be more honored than be the, uh, the man that's going to introduce Mike at the Hall of Fame. That's well said. Have you seen his list of hobbies on his bass? I was trying to figure out what you were going to say. Have you seen what his list of hobbies include under his biography on Bassmaster? No. no. What, is, what are they? Fishing, break dancing, collecting old ink bottles, which I think he does. Okay. Uh, gardening, water polo, laser tag, candy making, ghost hunting, Civil War reenactment, needlecraft, ham radio, macrame, playing the flute, graffiti artist, Illuminati researcher, and extreme ironing. I mean, is that not typical, Mike? It is. He was uh, not a happy camper at the last event on stage. Uh, and I had a lot of people that uh, right after were like, well, what are your thoughts on what he did on stage? And I'm like, dude, there's a reason why he's going into the Hall of Fame. He breaks the mold. And he's Mike Iaconelli. I'm sneaking in a dog. And right when he gets announced and gets up on stage, I have that thing. I'm going to start poking it and it's going to start barking. <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually sent him a text and uh, I, I, I did not get a response, but uh, eventually I will. That's just how he is. And, uh, you know, the word passion and, uh, so many other words go along with Ike, but uh, if you haven't seen the documentary, and, and this is not a shameless plug or anything, mm -hmm. I, I think there are some scenes in that documentary that people really haven't seen uh, Mike Iaconelli. And, and the opening scene is him working in the garden with his daughter. And he, he was really into it in, in that 
just kind of gives you an indication of, of what kind of a family person that Mike is and how important his family is. So uh, it's going to be an incredible night. Looking forward to it, September 28th. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see uh, what Mike says on stage during his acceptance speech of being inducted into the Hall of Fame. There it is right there. I mean, he he is. Uh, uh, oh, is that Stella there? Look at she's yeah, like, like a yeah. little toddler there. I think she's like a a uh, lacrosse superstar right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think that was the last time I saw. I think she's like. Yeah. So, and that was the first uh, 20 feet deep that I did, and I spent a week with them. And it was uh, it was so cool not to see Ike, but to be around Michael Iaconelli. So uh, well deserved, and uh, can't wait to uh, to be a part of it, man. All right, I also want to get your take. Uh, you covered KVD just as much as anybody else has over the years. Uh, if not more, Bassone was at its heyday when KVD, well, he's been at the top of his game for decades, but when KVD was untouchable yeah. uh, during that Angler of the Year run, uh, your thoughts on his retirement, was it, I, I don't want to put you in any direction, your thoughts on his retirement? Uh, I just think that uh, it, it's cool that, that there are people uh, involved in athletics in, in any sport and even for the people involved in fishing to where they know when it's time to walk away. And I respect him immensely, uh, not just as an angler, but everything that he has contributed to this game. And uh, I, I, I wish, and I think a lot of other people feel the same way. It would have been cool to see the greatest of all time uh, walk off the Bassmaster Classic stage for one final time and ride off into the sunset. But, you know, we all know that the decisions are made and uh, things happen for a reason. But at the same time, uh, there are very, very few people over the next 50 years of this game that are going to have more influence and be more dominating from a tournament perspective than what Kevin has done. You know, uh, a, a quick funny story. This is real quick. I remember I went up to his house and it was the first time that I had been on the water with him in Michigan. And, uh, you know, it, it, this is a goofy old man from California that had no idea what a honey crisp apple was. Right? <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't know the di difference in apples. And Kevin loves honey crisp apples. So before we went, uh, we most went, goats do before we went, uh, back to the hotel that night where we were staying at before we went on the lake, he goes, man, I got to go by the store. We, we got to get some honey crisp apples. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? I said, you, you seriously, we, we got to go by the store and get apples. He goes, you've never had a honey crisp apple. I was like, no, an apple's an apple. I don't know what they're called. I have no idea. And uh, he introduced to me Honeycrisp apples. And ever since then, man, I, I, I love the Honeycrisp apples. But it's just kind of a weird, unique 
quirky thing about KVD. And uh, when 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 I was in the boat with him in his boat when he wasn't tournament fishing, it was amazing to see the the skill, the effort, that defined line that he was so far above from an angling standpoint. Uh, it, it's just uh, it, it's I, I I'm glad that that he has decided to go out at this point in his career, because I think he still has an enormous amount of value to the fans of this game, to the sport itself, and continuing to represent the companies that he's been involved with, with for years. So uh, kudos to everything that he's done uh, for me and, and to the sport and to uh, given to all the fans. Is this a honey crisp apple? <laughs> that's a honey crisp apple. That's a honey crisp apple. Dollar ninety nine. Yeah, there's something really unique about them because they're they're really uh, they're kind of sweet, mm-hmm. but they're not mushy. Yeah, I hate a mushy very, apple. Very that's why good. I like the Granny Smiths because they're crisp and tart. Yeah, but this has sweet and crisp. Yeah. Uh all right, I'll ask you a question that doesn't have a right answer. And in order to answer it honestly, you have to think of KVD as more of like a commodity or a thing instead of a human being with a soul, feelings, and the ability to make his own decisions. Right. Did KVD retire? You have option A, B, and C. A, the forward-facing sonar revolution, and he realized that he is behind the eight ball and he just didn't like the way it was going. And he could tell based on the last three years that he wasn't going to be able to get ahead of this thing and he was going to get beat B I'll identify it as organizational tomfoolery and we'll leave it at that (laughs) or C he was really ready to hang it up. Uh, I will do C with an asterisk by it because I truly believe this was a decision that had to do with his family and, and what he wants to do with the remainder of his uh, physical ability to do some of the things in life that he just hasn't been able to do. Dude, think about how many years this guy has been going at it. 33. That is a ton of time on the water. Plus, throw in all the promotional trips, all the demands that are put on this, the, you know, the initials KVD. I just think he got to a point where he sat down, uh, with his wife, you know, his kids are, are off. Obviously, he's got empty nest now. And he's like, I think I'm done. I think I want to enjoy the time that I have left, still be involved in the industry, but do some things in life that I just have not been able to do. And some people might say, what? What are you talking about, Mark? He's the greatest angler of all time. He can do anything he wants. And I don't think people truly understand the the time commitment and the sacrifice that KVD gave this sport over those 30 plus years. And now I think it's finally time that he spends some time with his wife and enjoying the the results of just uh, one of the, the greatest careers that this game has ever seen. Take any human emotion out again, once again, yes or no question. Does KVD make a cast competitively with a Bassmaster Shield on his jersey ever again? No. 
No, and I and I really really believe that. I think he is. Uh, I think he's done. Okay. Option. So what do you think? Option. I've already got over it. I don't. I don't think he's done. I think okay. he thinks he's done. But. <laughs> Dude, he might show up at the Thursday night fruit jar. Listen, or... I'm not saying that I know the guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not like best friends with Kevin, right? Yeah. But I've been around Kevin. And the, the, he has to be, he has to be competing in something. He has to be. Like, that's that's his essence. Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, I, for, for 30 plus I, years, I agree with you. But I think everybody reaches a point where they are ready to walk away. And, and All right, so TV that. show, yeah, charity work, product development, nothing, all of the above. All of the above. Okay. Yeah, he, he's still going to be connected in the industry. The initials are not going away. Uh, the one exception to that about eventually, you know, everybody comes to a point where they have to walk away. Uh, who's the obvious obsession, uh, uh, exception to that point? What do you mean? In the angling industry. As Who walked away? Who doesn't walk away? Oh, Rick. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever walk away, dude. No, but if you... I have... I don't think he needs to walk away, and I think that's one of the beautiful things in the sport, is it is capable of anglers having longevity of it, and at a certain time, you earn a freaking right to stay there and be there. And yeah. Rick is there because he's utilizing his legends points. I think Fritz just ran out this year, by the way. Yeah. But he's utilizing his Legends points, which he earned, which gives him a spot on the Elite Series. And his wife, Melissa, posts a bunch of stuff on the on the Instagram and Facebook for him. And she said, hey, posting for Rick. Rick had a great day on the water. He thoroughly enjoyed himself. He caught 20 keepers. He had 17 pounds. The standings don't reflect. I mean, Rick, for as much as he's preached, mm -hmm integrity and quality of life and Nate and like what he does, he's still living what he does. And dude, like the fact that he's even able to go out there is massively inspiring. And you it forget is. he's won twice out of the last six years, but like I, I look at him like totally different. Now he's a guy who is still living his dream every single day and appreciates it. And no, knows what he has it's it's awesome it's awesome i agree I, I i it's awesome i hope he does it till he's 85 i agree all right now let me let me kind of get your thoughts on this these are two things that i believe should happen with the with the bassmaster elite series and you can tell me if i'm off my rocker or not one i think because of the age of the elite series now and because of the age of the anglers i think during a Bassmaster Elite Series event, there should be a limited number of sponsorship exemptions for tour veterans. In other words, if you add, and I'm just going to use the number four, okay? Let's say the number of sponsorship exemptions is four. I believe that Bass should allow four sponsorship exemptions, if that's the right number, to people that have been a part of this sport as a recognized season tour veteran such as a kvd or such as a jay ellis or whoever that if they want to participate in one event a year that boom they get that sponsorship exempt 
exemption. Let the fans enjoy it. Let the the guys that have made this game better give them an opportunity if they want to fish one tournament a year. What's what's four more spots really going to do in a Bassmaster Elite Series? Agree or disagree? Well, they would they would just compete for the. Uh... They would just compete for the money and not the anger right. of the year points. Yeah, it would. Clay says sponsorship exemptions are messy. I've also picked up that bad habit from you, where I go agree or disagree, yes or no. <laughs> am I wrong or am I right? I, I do that all every show now. But so it's a great open ended question. Uh, yeah, I, I agree that sponsorship exemptions are messy because then you end up with the scenario of a guy who's sitting on a spot that a guy who's fishing for the actual points is also fishing and then you have the dude you're in this for a one-off you need to let me have it so it does have the potential to affect the outcome i also see the positive side of it with uh the golf and the sponsor exemptions that they have for every tournament i think it could work both ways too where you could have a superstar college or high school angler that actually gets in the field and it could jumpstart his career. You can have the legends, you can have the hometown hero. I think it's a, a slippery slope when you start doing that, when you get exemptions for anglers that have extreme uh, or that are very uh, good on specific bodies of water. So how do you know that you're not going to have a guy who's like, well, this is the local guy who's the absolute stud. We're going to give him a sponsorship and then let him in this tournament. All right, timeout. I'm only talking about you put the legends category. That's okay. the only ones I'm talking about. Okay. I, I if you have a list of legends that are eligible for sponsorship exemptions based upon their contributions to the professional fishing game, that is where the local uh, or, or the legend uh, sponsorship exemption would come no, in. I agree. I'm in. I still think a legends tour. I've said this before and I'll say it again. A legends tour, great lakes only fall of the year. When the wind's really howling zero canceled days, GoPro in the back of the boat and strap these guys. You got to be at least 70 strap these guys to a butt seat with bungee cords and send them out <laughs> in Buffalo. You want to see viewership numbers like never before. Oh my goodness. You're going to kill them, Matt. <laughs> you want to see, viewership <laughs> numbers like never before it's that, called the the est the extreme senior tour <laughs> and, <laughs> and, no nets you gotta make these guys bend no, over nets. And, no net 12 hour days <laughs> oh you're brutal you're brutal all right i'm just second, saying the, the the second thing i i think we're at a stage that the elite series needs to do is uh, how many years are we into this now, man? Uh, this will be the 15th. So 2006 was the first yeah. year. So 6, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23. This is the 19th year. All right. We're 17th, 18th. Yeah, 20 years. Yeah. We're, we're approaching 20 years. Either that or we're right at 20 years. I think. Uh, 17. Be, yeah. I think that they're, they need to have a tournament of champions. I've said this for a number of years. I think you go oh, back. That'd be a great way to get Kevin back on the water with bass. hundred percent. That's why I'm bringing it up. Uh, I, I just think that from a historical perspective, now would be a great time to put forth the TSC. And, and you have it limited to 40 guys, uh, 35, whatever the number is. I don't know what the number is because I haven't done the research. But you create a, uh, for lack of a better term, a cutoff point that for every time somebody new wins their first tournament, 
the guy that was in the 35th position falls out of the tournament of champions. All right. But there have been a number, uh, obviously a large number of elite series events where you have champions. I think it would be great for the fans. I think it would be great for, uh, for the sponsors that want to get involved with this. And I think it would be a, a win for the organization too, to recognize those champions over the years, kind of like in, in a weird way, how they recognize all the Bassmaster Classic champions with the ban- with the banners that hang Amen. from the venue. Uh, but but like they're going to listen to me. I mean, I'm they're not going to listen to me <laughs> about anything. But I, I I just think that there's enough history, there's enough champions that uh, that a tournament of champions. Absolutely, one hundred percent needs to happen. What are your thoughts, man? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I I one hundred percent agree, and especially it would be easy. Uh, it would be easy to do it on the day before or after an elite series event where you can utilize the same stage, and they have it on like a TVA fishery yeah. uh, at like Pickwick, if like. Wilson or whatever is off limits. They could just go one, one lake down the chain and have it during a good time of the year, anywhere that TVA and and it would be very easy to implement with minimal resources. Agree. All right. One other thing that I, that I, since we're talking about this, that I, I would really like to see uh, is one time because obviously a lot of them have uh, passed away, but I think it would be enormously cool if you had one time every single Bassmaster Classic champion that's alive show up to the next Bassmaster Classic. I think they kind of do that anyway, don't they? No, they just, they kind of, you know, they bring people in. I'm talking about the entire group. Get them up on stage before the final day. Yeah, even at the expo. Have have a five-minute montage where they're standing there watching. I, I I think that the relevancy of that title hopefully will not deteriorate over time i still think it is that's getting stronger yeah it's getting stronger right now mark it it was in jeopardy for a while i feel like it is getting stronger i agree but i I think that if you're a champion uh, i don't know i mean ken duke may know the answer i don't know how long it's been since every living Bassmaster Classic champion has been together. Probably the greatest angler debate that they had in like 2003. I, I think it was like just that. a handful. I don't yeah. think it was everybody. I think they need to do that. And, yeah. and hopefully the fans agree with me on that. Uh, I So I talked to Ken. So, you know, we were talking, uh, ironically, two of the guys we've talked about. Timmy Horton came out with a just a master troll list of his top 15 of all time. <laughs> and he put KVD at two and left Ike off of the list. Go figure. I, and I so that. I had I had well, I had him on the show to ask him that. And to Timmy's credit, he came on. It made sense. He's wrong, but I value his opinion. <laughs> uh, where was I? Where was I go? Oh, so this led me down a rabbit hole because Jacob Wheeler was number one, and then Wheeler posted on that and said, "There's no way I'm number one on Timmy's post." And then he mm-hmm. called me, and I ended up talking to Wheeler for like two hours about all sorts of stuff, that included. And then I called Ken Duke and I was like, dude, we got to do something about this. So Ken Duke being Ken Duke sat there and he's like, okay. So he comes up with a formula to gauge. So there's no, he's trying to take all of the, the subjective things out of the equation. And he gives 
he spent a lot of time. I don't want to give any of it away, but he then took X number of anglers. You have to have X. I'm not giving any of this away because he's doing this X qualifications. And he ranked like 200 or I think it was 141, to be honest with you guys. It was 141 that had X qualifications and X qualifications applied a certain. And he came up with actually the greatest of all time that you can rank from one to 141. (laughs) And then the beautiful thing that he did was he's like, well, if he said there has to be some subjectivity in it because you're, you're assigning a value, right? A, A number value to each accomplishment. He goes, so that's where the subjectivity is. He goes, so if someone feels like my subjectivity in this was wrong, we could just change that value with a couple of clicks and now it can be like, oh, you want this to be valued more? Now here's your top 100. Yeah. And he's going to come on in the off season and we're going to get guys from different eras. Wheeler's already agreed to come on for this era. I'm going to try to get Larry Nixon on for an era, maybe a Denny Brower, a 90s guy like an Edwin E. Well, he's, but guys who came in like that 2000s, yeah deal get guys for different eras have ken on have them do the nerd fishing thing break out all 141 with the assigned vows and we're going to do an entire week of actually ranking who the greatest of all time are that's cool and then we're also going to break it down so far by era so then you can do like 60s 70s 70s 80s 80s 90s 90s and 2000s and 2010s and then the live scope era. So you can say his is who was statistically best in the nineties. Who's statistically best in the 2010s. This is who's been best since the live scope era. And it'll put a, it'll put a, put that whole debate to bed. I like it. That the fans should love that too. That, that should be a great series of shows. It will be. What else do I need to do show wise? You did this show for forever. (laughs) What am I, what am I missing here? Mark? I don't know, man. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to think about that. I, I think it's kind of cool that uh, the the stuff that you've done over the last, you know, almost two years, it, it, dude, you continue to do a good job. And I hope the fans appreciate the work that you're putting in because you're, you're kind of wearing that uh, two headed monster. You're trying to catch fish at the same time and be a business owner and put together the show and get it into position where it continues to be the uh, finest podcast uh live show in the bass fishing world now so. that is subjective that is not <laughs> an object that's not an objective opinion oh, but you're doing it i mean you're trying you're 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 executing and uh hopefully you continue to to learn every day you walk into your studio there at your house that uh everything's not going to go right every single day but you know what you learn from every time that you're on the water and it seems like you're learning every time you walk into the studio what is successful and what you need to improve on. So uh, continue to do that, man. You still check your email. So if there's listeners out there that want to email you concerned about how I'm just running the show into the ground on a daily <laughs> basis, can they still email you at mark at basszone.com? Yeah, that, that's still it. In fact, I'm going to do a shameless plug here real quick. Okay. Uh, I actually, I, I was cleaning out my garage and the studio and I, I've drilled so many bowling balls lately that my, my the studio is a wreck. Okay. So I I'm trying to get everything organized because uh, we're going to have a team dinner after we do our video shoot over at my house uh, here within a week or two. And 
I found two brand new in the box Lawrence uh, HDS live units that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. All right. So if anybody's out there willing to uh, their HDS 12s and their lives, their lives. Are you sure their lives and not Gen 3s or uh, not uh, carbons? They're not carbons. I think they're like a year old. Okay. Okay. They're not. They the have to be more than a year old. Huh? They'd have to be more than a year old because I've been running it for almost two years now. Okay. Well, that's me being away. I, I don't know what they are. I they think might have been the first lives that came out. You can you can use Active Target. They're Active Target enabled. Okay. Okay. Uh, but they do not have the Active Target transducer. Yeah. All right. But they're, you can get that at thebasstank.com. Yeah. So if anybody's interested in two 12-inch brand-new units, uh, shoot me an email. And uh, the money that is taken in from that is going to go directly to the bowling program for uh, more equipment. So uh, kids can never have too much equipment, too many bowling balls. Uh, and from what I've seen uh, over the first week of practice, uh, they're going to need some equipment because uh, the college game is different. It's not anything that they've experienced from a uh, lane pattern. Oh, you yeah, know? we got to finish. Let's finish on the – what is the lane pattern all about? So, like, this is the first pattern that they practiced on. And uh, these patterns were created by somebody at Kaggle, uh, which is the machine company that makes uh, the machine that puts the oil down on the lane. But you see it's very flat. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. But, I mean, flat. if you're telling me it is. Right. But the, the flatter the pattern, the tougher the pattern. And college patterns are extremely tough. And uh, it's kind of like when you play golf, man, and the rough is high and the greens are super fast. Yeah. Course is tough. Right. Well, but do you have college anglers who are or college anglers, college bowlers who are good because they can read and adjust to the patterns and they understand what each pattern does. And then it's just like on the water where you're like, oh, that guy's a natural. Yeah. OK. So the, the exposure that a lot of these players that are part of the program uh, is very limited in that. So it was it was definitely uh, a challenge for them the first two day of practice. But it did expose the fact that, yes, they definitely need some new equipment. So uh, please, if anybody is interested in two brand new Lowrance units, 12-inch uh, uh, HDS Lives, uh, shoot me an email and uh, the price that we agree to, uh, throw me an offer. Right? And I'm not saying X amount of dollars or anything like that. Just throw me an offer in an email and uh, we will take that money and donate to the program for uh, new equipment. So that's the only shameless plug I have. The other thing is, uh, it, it's kind of weird, man. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I hope people enjoy when I randomly come on the show. Uh, I do miss it, but this is my job of a lifetime right now. I, I cannot tell you how much I am enjoying recruiting, being around the kids, uh, and, and being able to hopefully pass along a lot of my experience not just in bowling, but in life uh, that helps them through the four years of college, uh, but more importantly, after they, they graduate. So it's been fun so far, man. Well, I mean, you did a, you get a 
good job passing on a lot of knowledge to me over there. So you could be absolutely maddening at times and <laughs> completely irrational, but yeah. as a whole, uh, I appreciate uh, a lot of the things over the years, not to get uh, too sentimental. Yeah. But in the fall, in the fall too, we got to have our one-on-one. -on -one. We're still going to oh, do uh, Frank's coming down in the fall to do more proppy and bass fishing and stuff in the studio. We got to get together with you. Cause it'll be like after the season. So like November, December yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah, we still have to do our one-on-one. -on -one. We got a All bunch. Right. Hopefully we sure. covered a bunch of stuff today. Like, hey. I, hey Matt, I haven't done a Mark after dark this year. It's coming. God. Oh I my gosh. I just don't know when, but it's coming. I, I will do a Mark after dark. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> have that. You still have access. So yeah. have right. at it. All right. Thanks everybody. Just give me and, a heads up. Uh, hopefully it was good. Hopefully you enjoyed. I love coming back on the show. Are you closing the show out now? Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> hey, you want to see some of my players? They're they're showing up in my office. Here, come on. Here. This isn't a this isn't an NCAA violation, is it? No, 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 no. All right. Right here. You got Jackson from Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh Gavin Taylor from uh here in Oklahoma and Tobias. Holy cow, the bullet team is jacked. <laughs> that's not that's not what i had in mind the bullet team is jacked i mean i've just seen the i've seen all the promos on the show but man we got the we got the the 24 karat gold chains and the t's and everything yeah they're good kids man all right it's been fun all right mark i thoroughly enjoyed uh Thanks, show an hour and 50 minutes i know you got uh practice coming up thanks for jumping yeah. on all right man all right see everybody you. out there be safe all right, that was Mark Jeffries. We're closing out the show. That's the music. Uh, if you get a chance, head over to the iTunes. It's that time of year where we're doing contracts for next year, doing all sorts of stuff. So uh, review on iTunes, number of stars, leave a comment, subscribe on YouTube, all that good stuff. Tomorrow, Uncle Frank, live, 8.30 a.m., wrapping up the week. We'll see you then. Later.